Turn your Bible, please, to Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. It's a wonderful joy to be in the house of God this morning and appreciate the wonderful singing and everyone who is present, every visitor, you're an excitement and a blessing. I see one of our young men here today who sometimes waits on us over at Shawnee's and appreciate your being here today. God bless you. And others that are here, God bless every one of you. Ezekiel chapter 22. Let me remind you that in Sunday's in uh, training union tonight, we begin at six o'clock. And I'd like to encourage everybody to be there. This is the first in a series of four sessions on personal soul winning. And I wanna encourage you to come. I hope you will not miss it. The uh, question tonight is, how do you win somebody to Jesus? What are the approaches? How do you get to it? And so on. I hope you'll come tonight. And we'll have age group sessions for everyone. So be sure to get in on it. Then at 5.30 this evening, we're having a men's chorale. I'd like to ask all of our men to be present. And we're going to practice some songs that we'll sing in the evening service. All the men at 5.30 tonight, a men's chorale. So don't miss that. Be sure to get in on it. We'll have a great service tonight. Some of our men will be sharing in testimony, in song, in sermon. It'll just be a tremendous hour tonight, and I hope you will not miss it. I want to ask every man that is here today, that is, man, men that are uh, in the Jewish position, you became a man when you were 12 years old. So every man 12 years old and above, would you stand, please? I want to just recognize you this morning. All the men who are 12 years old and above. Well, God bless you. Now, everybody else, let's give them a big hand of appreciation. Will you do that? God bless you. We appreciate our men. And today we're recognizing our men. We'll be recognizing this in the service tonight. And I hope you'll not miss it. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Also, at the end of the service, the Lord willing, I want to just recognize our staff and thank God for a loyal, faithful staff. Uh, someone has figured that uh, you put all the years together that these staff members have served at Glendale, it would be over 114 years. Man. Now, I don't know how in the world they could have served 114 years when nobody's even over, I don't know how old. I won't mention that. But if you add all of them, including our, the members of our church who serve in the Child Development Center and the Anchored Christian School, I think you come up with over 200 years. So you staff people are 200 years old. God bless you. We'll recognize you at the end of the service. Ezekiel chapter 22, beginning with verse 23. May we pray together a moment. Our Father, we ask you to use this hour to the glory of Christ. May someone who has never come to Jesus uh, turn to the Lord today. And may every one of us say, Lord, I'll be one to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. In Ezekiel chapter 22, beginning with verse 23. 22, verse 23. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst of her, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. 
They have made her many widows in the midst of her. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they shown difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves ravening the prey, to shed blood, to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have dubbed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the sojourner wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Now to get the full understanding of this wonderful truth in Scripture, we have to remember that Judah was already in captivity when this was written. Ezekiel was God's prophet to Babylon. Now he was a, a Jew. He was born probably in Judea. Uh, maybe came there in one of the first captivities from Jerusalem out of the hands of the Babylonians. And he is sort of giving a background as to why the people of God are having it so tough. Now in America, and at Glendale Baptist Church this morning, we may have a hard time putting ourselves into this setting because we live in a time of prosperity. We've never had it better. The poorest of the poor today are richer than some of us were during the Depression years. We're living in a land of plenty while half the world goes to bed hungry every night. We're living in a land where there are churches on every corner while there are two billions of people in our world who have never even heard of Jesus. Now God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to warn Israel in the north and Judah in the south. They had, as it were, raved, waved a red flag in their face and said, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. If you do not repent, you'll have to perish. And in book of Amos that we read and studied a few weeks ago, he recited all kinds of good things and disciplines that he had brought upon the nation. And he said, you, yet you wouldn't repent. Therefore, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And that's exactly what happened. Now they're in captivity. And Ezekiel is reciting the reasons why they are in captivity, why judgment has come. Now again, let me say it's difficult for us living in 19, 
96. To understand this, there are a few in our midst who have had some financial problems. There are a number of our people who have gone through valleys of sorrow, and you know the hurt that comes. There are some in our place this morning who have lost dear brothers or sisters or daddies or mothers during the war. There are some sitting right where we sit this morning who during World War II, when they had silver stars in the window representing their loved one who was out at the war, that silver star turned to gold. And even now you can feel the same anguish you felt then. But I want to tell you, none of us have ever experienced captivity. Now, you might have been a prisoner of war, or you might have been in a foreign soil and known the ravages of war, but America, this great land of the free and home of the brave, has never experienced captivity. This is a warning. I want you to notice that Judah and Israel both are in trouble. Sin was rampant. The Lord, the land was not cleansed. The people pretended to know the mind of God and they ignored it. Their prophets were deceivers and diviners. They prophesied lies. They said, God has said this when God hadn't even spoken. They devoured souls by flattering sinners into a false security. Now I want to tell you, I'm not going to get off on this and preach on it just exclusively, though I, someday I will. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise at the last. It biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Years ago, we had a local option in this city. And we had a parade going through town, a dry parade. And while we were going around the square, one of the ministers was sitting in the liquor joint run by one of his members, and they were swagging their beer, their liquor. The prophets and preachers prophesied lies. You may not like the stand that some of us take on this issue. I want to commend our mayor. I feel like giving him a round of applause. Some of you didn't vote for him. I love you anyway. It was a shame for any of God's people to go to the polls and vote for a man that openly said, let's profane the Sabbath, let's profane Sunday, and let's have liquor flowing freely on Sunday. That's wrong, and the idea of fairness has no place in the Word of God. You cannot be fair with sin. Sin is wicked. It's wrong. It's always wrong. You can never vote for sin, ever, in a thousand worlds. And the prophets prophesied lies. And the preachers preached lies. That's what this book is saying. That's one of the reasons they went into captivity. The priests who were teachers by, by office violated the law. They did not put a difference between the holy and the profane. Do you read that? Look at verse 26. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. 
They have put no difference between the holy and profane, neither have they shown difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths. They pretended as if there were no such thing as a special day. I've heard people say, well, it doesn't make any difference. Don't ever do any other day of the week what you wouldn't do on Sunday. Well, here's the, here's the problem. The Sabbath day was Saturday. It was given to the Jews as a sign. It was not always a day of worship. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2, in six days God created everything and he rested on the seventh day and he hallowed it. It was the Sabbath day. It was the day of rest when God said everything is beautiful that I've made. And then he taught us to have one day off. One day when we honored the Lord. We did what God did. We rested from the rest of the time. You say, well, why don't we do that on Saturday anymore? The Jews still do it. You know why the Jews do it? Because they do not believe Jesus has come. They, They don't believe the Messiah is here. And they're still resting, waiting for him. The reason the believers meet on Sunday is because early on the first day of the week, the creator of the universe got up from the dead. Jesus, without him, without anything made that was made, Jesus, the Lord of glory, got up from the dead. And God's people began to meet in his honor on the Lord's day. Somebody said the other day, all the blue laws are a thing of the past. They are. You know why? Because America has ignored God, spit in his face, kicked God out of the school, kicked prayer out of the school, kicked the Bible out of the school. We don't need God anymore. And the dear, precious Supreme Court sit up there and can't tell what is art and what's pornography. Why? Because we've thrown away the absolute. We've thrown away the only thing that would show us whether a thing is right or wrong. There are no standards, no standards. And if you like a world without any standards, we're about to have it. Well, this scripture says they saw no difference between the holy and the profane. I want to pray today that God will quicken the minds of God's people. Now the world, you understand that, the world, the flesh and the devil, the world who places a premium on economy, and that's it. Nothing else matters. Just so everything's running smoothly economically. There was never a time in Israel's history when they were more prosperous than the time of Amos. When Amos went up and put his finger in the king's face and said, captivity is coming, judgment will come, Prepare to meet thy God. And they laughed at him. They sent him back to the south country, you old hillbilly preacher. Go back and preach in the south, they said. Forty years after Amos preached that, Assyria came in and took Israel, and Israel went into captivity, never heard of again. Ten northern tribes, they were dispersed forever. Now, I'm I'm telling you this morning, God issues a warning. And in the close of this chapter, he says, I have looked for a man who would stand in the gap and make up the hedge that I should not destroy the land. And there's a terrible word at the close of that verse. 
He said, I found none. I didn't find anybody who would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Now, what he's talking about is the, the hedge of protection. You see, God builds an umbrella of protection around a nation, around a people, Man. around a family, around an individual. Man. And that umbrella or hedge of protection is wonderful. The Bible puts it another way. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. There was a time one of the prophets was being pursued. He had been telling the secrets of the enemy to the king, and the king was able to avoid the enemy's assaults. And the enemy decided finally that it was this prophet that was doing that. He'd done it by God's authority. And so they surrounded the city where the prophet was, and they were coming to get him. And the prophet's servant was scared out of his wits, and he said, what shall we do? What shall we do? <laughs> and the prophet got on his knees and said, Lord, please open this man's eyes so he can see. And all of a sudden, the man's eyes were open, and he saw the angels of God Amen. all around the Amen. city. He said, it's okay now. Amen. See, there was a protection around Amen. the man of God. Now, the question today is, do we want that protection or not? Here, he says there's a gap in that protection hedge. There's a gap there. Sin has torn it asunder. And I've looked for a man who would stand right in that gap and make up the hedge, but I didn't find anybody. And I want to tell you, God's looking for somebody today. Man. Just God's anybody. Just God's anybody. You don't have to be a college graduate. You don't have to have uh, several degrees. There's nothing wrong with degrees. Thank God for education. I believe anybody that can go on and get an education sins against himself when he doesn't do it. Right. We ought to graduate from, from high school. We ought to graduate from college. If possible, go on into advanced degrees and go as far as we can. But I want to tell you, that's not always the person that stands in the gap and makes up the hedge. God is looking for anybody, just anybody, who will say, Lord, can you use me? Man. There was a time in Isaiah's life when Uzziah, his kinsman, died. Uzziah was a king of Israel, of Judah. And uh, it really moved his heart. I can understand why it moved his heart. I remember exactly where I was the day Franklin Roosevelt died. I was 15 years old. I was in the dining room of my mother and dad's home when I heard on the radio that in Hot Springs, uh, Georgia, the, the only president I'd ever known died. And I, I, it hurt. I wept. Some of you remember that. I remember where I was, the, the, the very place I was the day John F. Kennedy was, was murdered. I was coming down Cabell Drive and a car flashed the lights at me and I stopped and they said, the president has just been shot. I remember exactly where I was. It was a moving experience. I understand why Isaiah was deeply moved when Uzziah died and he went over to the temple and in the temple he began to pray and he said, I saw the seraphs and I saw the angels of God all around the throne. And, and he said, I, I, I I felt I was unclean.
And I knew I dwelt in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And I called out to God and God reached from the tongs of the altar and placed a hot coal on my lips and I was cleansed. And then Isaiah said, I heard a voice. And the voice said, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Here am I, can you use me? And Isaiah became a man that stood in the gap and made up the hedge. Ladies and gentlemen, God is looking for somebody today who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge and be God's somebody in 1996, just four years before the next century, who would dare to say, I will find out from the word of God what God says. And by the grace of God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do what God says to do. I'm gonna be a man of faith. Not somebody who just walks by sight, but a man of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We cannot be men and women of faith if we don't read the word, if we don't heed the word. Sometimes we read it and don't heed it. Sometimes we just look at it just as if, well, I've read my Bible readings for today. That's good enough. We let God speak to us through. What does God say? Well, one thing God says is that men and women need to be men of faith and faithfulness to their homes and to what God says about the home. We're living in an age of great promiscuity. People just do anything they want to do, live any old way. Woe be to that man that breaks into somebody else's home. I don't mean just just uses a gun to get in or pushes down the door. I'm talking about he wins the affections of somebody in that home or she wins the affections of somebody in that home and the home is torn up. Woe, woe unto them. This book says that person's worthy to die. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it come the issues of life. I sought for a man among them who would make up the, who would stand in the gap and make up the head. Somebody who would say, I'm gonna learn from the word of God what God says and I'm gonna do it if it kills me. I'm gonna just do it, just gonna stand there. Having done all, I'm gonna stand. Quit you like men. Men of faith, men of faithfulness, men of courage who will not be afraid to stand and having done all to stand. Find out from the book of God which way God directs and then stand there. Just do it. I think the time has come when we need to be very, very careful about who we vote for in public office. Don't vote for somebody just because he happens to be a certain stripe or follow a certain animal. Find out where he stands on things. You see, the Bible says you are salt of the earth and light of the world. And the principles by which a nation is judged 
are not economic principles. They're moral principles and moral values. Same thing's true of a home. Same thing's true of individuals. All of us have problems with sin. There's not a one among us who doesn't have problems with sin. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, God says. First, Timothy, First Corinthians 10, 13. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Everyone here is tempted by sin. You're tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sometimes we, 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 uh, we blame the devil for things that aren't his fault. They're just weaknesses of the flesh. And we feed our flesh with more flesh. We feed it on X-rated things and filthy pornography and old junky stuff. And we just gobble it all up. What do you expect your flesh to do? It'll love it. Listen, there's not a man or a woman among us today who, if left to your old flesh, wouldn't love pornography. Unless you have fed that inner man, that inner spirit with Jesus so much that the moment your eye sees it, you know that's wrong for me. I can't take it. I thank God God delivered me from alcoholism. You know how he did it? I never took the first drink. Some people say I'm an extremist. I may be. I think if I'd ever drunk any, I might have liked it. I thank God I hate it. Never tasted it. Don't ever intend to taste it as a beverage. The only whiskey I ever tasted is back in the early, early, early years, and some of you remember this, when they didn't have any better remedies for flu and stuff, when people were dying of flu, and they'd bring you a little little bit of whiskey or something and make you drink it, and I hated it then. I never decided I'd never drink it again, even if it didn't have anything, if I died. I don't like it. It's a liar. It's deceitful. It's wrong. It's wicked. And you can't take a social drink. Don't you think you can? If it doesn't hurt you, it's going to hurt somebody else. It'll be a testimony against you at the, res- at, the, at the judgment. They'll rise up and point their finger at you and say, I got overcome by it. You sat there and drank it. Man. God is looking for a man or a woman. I don't think he's just meaning a male. He's looking for somebody who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Well, I'm going to finish. I'm going to give you this little three-point outline that I plan to preach. Won't get to it. God is looking for a man of praise and prayer, a man of purpose, a man of pardon. That's who he's looking for. Will you be that somebody? It begins by coming to Calvary, by coming to Jesus and asking him to come into your heart and be your personal savior and let Jesus rule and reign in your heart. If you'll do that, he'll be all in all to you and God will bless you. You see, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 
Every one of us is a sinner. There's not one person in this room or within the sound of my voice who is not a sinner. We're all sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And Jesus went to the cross. And there between heaven and earth, he poured out his life as a libation offering for my sins and yours. He died for us. He was buried. Three days later, he arose from the grave. He's conqueror over death and the grave and sin and hell. And he lives forever. And if you'll ask him to come into your heart, he'll come in and be your Savior and your Lord. Would you like to do that? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God that the Lord is looking today for somebody who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. It may be that somebody is in this place today or within the sound of our voice by radio and someone would just in his heart lift his heart and his hand before you and say, Lord, can you use me? I'll be that somebody for God. Here I am, Lord. Have thine own way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. 385. 385. Where he leads me, I will follow. 385. Now find that page and then look at me just a moment, please. 385. I appreciate your attention this morning. God bless you. Years ago, there was the Alamo. If you've ever been to San Antonio you've visit, and visited the Alamo, you'll remember the terrible battle that took place when our men decided they would stand in the gap and make up the hedge, whatever it took, and they all died, rather than surrender. Many years ago there was Masada, Rome had taken over Jerusalem and a handful of Jews, about 900 of them, escaped to Masada and they made a pact, we will not surrender, we won't do it. God is looking for somebody today who will say, I'll not surrender to the things of the world, I'm not going to be like the rest of the world, I'm going to find out from God what he says and I'm going to do it by the grace of God. The first thing he tells us to do is to give our heart to Jesus. You see, out of the heart proceed the issues of life. If you're just a church member and not really, your heart isn't given to the Lord and he doesn't reign inside, you do whatever the world says to do. But if Jesus is in your heart, you can ask him. Ask him, pray about everything and God will show you. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never invited Jesus to come into your heart, I want to ask you to do it today. Just where you are, just come to him and say, I'm giving my heart to him this morning. I'm going to be waiting right down here for you to come. It may be someone would come and say, I want to take a stand for the Lord and be what God wants me to be regardless. I'll do it for Jesus' sake. Where he leads me, I will follow. Will you come? Do what God tells you to do.